welcome back to the mountains and the sea where we find the highs and lows of each and every prince album every other week i'm christy and this is josh and we're so glad that you're back with us today and today today more jill jones give me more that's right We have extended versions of singles, B-sides, some unreleased material. I had said last time that we were going to talk about videos. Oh, well, we um, (laughs) needed to pace ourselves a little bit more, we discovered. Uh After episode one. (laughs) was nearly two hours long. We decided, you know, we've got some time before Sign of the Time Super Deluxe comes out. Why don't we stretch... Jill Jones discussions out into three episodes instead of just two. I don't think it was even a let's stretch it out. It's a we've got some time. Let's do right by Jill. True. We could have done it in two episodes. It would just be an episode that was two hours long and another one that would probably be even longer. Yeah. Which would make you miserable. (laughs) It would make me miserable. (laughs) Since Christy does all the editing (laughs) and producing of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, and if she's miserable, then I'm not particularly happy either. So I said, (laughs) hey, how about this idea? (laughs) And I said, excellent. Yes. Yes. And since uh, we're our own bosses. That's right. We're making it three episodes instead of two. That's right. And that makes me happy because there's plenty to talk about with, with Jill. Rather than rush through it, we'll give it the time that it requires to be done properly. Yep. Yes. Where are we going anyway? Yeah, exactly. Nowhere, because Texas is a hot spot, and so we're staying home. Yep. Yeah. Uh, We did not mention last time that this album is criminally out of print. You're right. And I don't know how we spent two hours talking about it and didn't (laughs) mention that you can't find it on any streaming service anywhere if you find it in... Uh, where can you find it? Can you buy CDs in any store now? Probably just secondhand stores, Goodwill, eBay. Yeah. You can find it there. But the CD itself is out of print and it's not on any streaming service anywhere. Nope. But there were links for yes, there still all of are. those. There are still, there were, and there are still links to all of those on our social media, which you can find us on Facebook. The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast, TMATS podcast. Or you can send us an email at tmatspodcast at gmail.com and I'll shoot you back a link. And we had some comments also, people who sent in uh, additional information and or corrections. True. So I thought I would share some of those. We'd like to thank Annie Ward for the following information. She pointed out that Michael Dean on the podcast on Prince on the Podcast Juice Network did an interview with Jill Jones in 2016. Okay. During that, she told Michael Dean that the reason for the long delay from when a lot of this material was recorded to when it was released was Prince trying to keep Jill Jones around. Hmm. So that was her impression. Yeah. So that came from Jill from herself. From herself, yes. And then uh, Annie Ward is also a language teacher. And she said the pronunciation is all wrong. The grammar's not good Yeah, for no. the Italian right. in for, Mia Boca. Right. That is not Boca. It's Baca. It's Baca, yeah. yes. But we're going to still call it Mia Boca because that's how it's said. That's so how, yeah. The 
actual Italian is Mia Bocca. The song is Mia Bocca. That makes sense. Yeah. But also, if you want to learn Italian, don't look for a Prince podcast to figure that one out. (laughs) (laughs) There are probably better sources out there. Annie can probably help you out. Yep. (laughs) Despite how Jill looks, she identifies as a black woman because she did not know her father who was Italian, and she gets a lot of her coloring from him, but her mother was a black woman, so she also identifies as a black woman, Mm. which makes perfect sense. And I didn't realize, I mean, I hope I can be forgiven for that since Jill passes as white. Well, especially with blonde hair, like we saw her in Purple Rain. I didn't think that she would understand if something, but whatever she chooses to do That's right. Well, and we're fine. Yeah, and we don't have a problem with that, but I wanted to go ahead and point that out. Okay. So, and then also a big thanks to Lefty Parker. Okay. Because there was that little bit in All Day, All Night that sounded so familiar to me and I couldn't place it. And you were like, it's just All Day, All Night, Christy. Yeah. I was like, "Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe you're just hearing something. (laughs) He kind of recollected Uh and then went back and found the time for me in purple rain apollonia and morris day are sitting at a table morris day is hitting on apollonia yeah and there's music playing in the background because they're in a club and the keyboards that are there behind it at like at 31 32 minutes Uh uh-huh very, very similar to All Day, All Night. So thank you so much, Lefty. It made me feel so much better to know that I wasn't just Insane. dreaming. Yeah. Yes. And I couldn't help her. Yeah. Which is disappointing. No, that's, that's like sorry. my only job on this podcast <laughs> is to help Christy. <laughs> you do a fabulous job 99.9% of the time. And when you're unable to help me, I have our friends like Annie and Lefty who can help us out. Cool. Yeah. Um, And before we get started even further on this podcast, um, I wanted to mention a special thanks to Chambers Stevens, friend of the podcast, helped us out with this episode a little bit, and uh, we wanted to give him a big thumbs up and thank you as well. Absolutely. All right. So music. Music. We Let's butcher some Italian. (laughs) That's right. We have two versions of Mia Boca. And we're going to start with the extended version. Yes. This was included on the single, released April 6th, 1987. Yep. And a pretty cool single artwork. If you go and look it up on Prince Vault, it's kind of this orange and purple duotone kind of thing that would be very cool if it was released today. It uses the lockup of Jill Jones, the type that we talked about that's on the front of her album cover is used Ooh, there too. Yeah. Josh Brannis, industry terms. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> my only job is to help you learn things <laughs> or to help you however I can. Yeah. So it seemed like somehow, speaking of that little logo lockup, she retained ownership of it and has used it on many of her later, more modern day releases too. It became hers, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Arthur Baker did this remix. Okay. Arthur Baker did this remix. (laughs) Great. (laughs) The I don't know look. (laughs) He was a DJ. Oh, okay, cool. Um, Yeah, it's called Extended Version. But mm-hmm. I believe that is a misnomer. It's it's different altogether. To me, an extended version is where the album version fades out or cuts off. You get more. Right. Um, and that's not what this is no. at all. It's no. a completely new mix, mix. Yeah. altogether. Yeah. Um, and the DJ 
Arthur Baker is fairly renowned, um, especially considering this was a, um, you know, not a high-vis release of an album. They got him to do this, and he had remixed tracks for New Order and the Pet Shop Boys and Tina Turner, Cyndi Lauper, Bruce Springsteen, Hall & Oates, who I know you personally love, Christy. <laughs> <laughs> I love Hall & Oates, Christy. Yeah. Not, as, not. not she, as much. She would prefer them as a breakfast cereal. <laughs> uh, They're fine. <laughs> he did remixes for Nina Cherry's Buffalo Stance, which cool. I thought was very cool. And he was also the music supervisor for the movie Fried Green Tomatoes. Oh, I didn't know that. And he had his own label, and he was almost the one to sign the Beastie Boys what? to his label, Streetwise Records, in the mid-'80s and missed out. Wow. How cool is that? That's really cool. Yeah. I thought the mix of instruments in this was super, super 80s, but in a really like fun, classic way. Yes, full of synthesizers uh-huh. and makes it more identifiable to me as an 80s remix than even the studio ber- version sounds like an 80s song. Right. Which it I kind agree. of does, but yeah. the remix just amplifies the whole 80, 80s-ness of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it has a much more accentuated synth lead line that comes in at eight seconds. It's a little more streamlined than the album version, too. But it does match it. Claire Fisher strings are used yeah. at like all through it, but they come in at 19 seconds, and it has a, this very avant-garde kind of feel to it because of the the strings and the orchestration. I thought. And Jill's vocal track is completely reused here. It's not mm-hmm. sung again. It's, right. it's the same uh, vocal track from the album version for the most part. Those 80s synths that we talked about at 42 mm-hmm. seconds, you can hear them come in. Um, they're not in the album version, and it really plays underneath most of the song. This Yeah. That's my impression of an 80s synthesizer. Yeah. Like it. Two and a half minutes or so. There's mm-hmm. this like staccato synthesizer, or maybe it's drums. But it made me think of a basketball game for some reason. Oh, I'm try. I, I don't know if it's having like gone to live sporting events and they have similar sorts of sounds because oh. they pull, especially now and even in the past. 10 or 15 years, they pulled a lot from the 80s kind of beats yeah. to really get the crowd going. Yeah. Or there was a video game. There mm-hmm. might have been a basketball video game that our son played for a while that had similar beats, but it makes me think of basketball. Okay. I don't know what that has to do with the, anything. I don't either. But it makes me think of basketball, and I wrote a note about it, so I'm going to tell you all. <laughs> That's what this outlet is for. That's what, right. How does this make you feel? Mm-hmm. Right around the part that you're talking about, and maybe it's the same part, two minutes and 36 seconds, we get the, there's something about you, baby, mm-hmm. lyric, and then it abruptly stops and followed by some new instrumental parts that are not in the studio version. I yeah. don't know if that's the part that it you're referring to. It is the exact same to. part, yes. All right. Yeah. There's something about you. 
it just made me say, oh, this is different. I did not uh, have flashbacks to NBA Jam <laughs> <laughs> like you did. I, I um, did, yes. Um, about a minute later, um, I thought the song takes a different direction where Jill's Ooh, from Ooh, I Love the Drama, uh-huh. and it's turned into an instrument, like yeah. on a Casio yeah. keyboard. Yeah, and there it's like rising. Yes, yes. it's played Super like a cool. sample on a keyboard. I thought that was really, really cool. Also very... 80s mm-hmm. it reminded me of new shoes yeah with their album poolside featuring i can't wait where the whole song is basically vocal samples so there's a little bit of that going on here Four minutes and 20 seconds, we get the chorus with Jill screaming, I love another, and it sounds great on this remix yeah. or extended version. Yeah. High roll. And then it kind of devolves into just like vocalizing like yeah. 20 seconds later. Yes. It's very fun and cool and interesting. As it gets to the end, there's the bass and orchestration breakdown from near the end of the studio track that we talked about in the last episode, but that serves as the very ending for this remix or mm-hmm. extended version, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I thought, you know, if you like this song and you were lucky to find it and buy the single, mm-hmm. you got what you paid for. Right. You know, like basically, hey, here's another take on this song, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, on our social media, I'll link to as many of these as I can find an yeah. online version of, which yeah. is I think m- it, most it, of them, but not quite all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it adds to, you know, we keep, I, th- I think I've said this on every episode where we've covered remixes, like what does it add or does it add to right. the song? And I think it, there's a lot of different concepts and it's fun it's Mm -hmm. enjoyable to listen to right you like the album version then you're gonna like this one right and then we have another version that was included on the single the dub version dub version it starts with intense screams yes (laughs) also played like an instrument yes (laughs) and Um, then the Tuvola gets repeated a yeah. whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, that was the choice someone made. It was. Well, honestly, I have seen the term dub version millions of times on Prince remixes and other artists. So I decided, you know, what does a dub version mean? Why is it called that? I had no idea. So I thought, well, I should know that. So here you go, straight to Wikipedia. I go. Dub is a genre of electronic music that grew out of reggae in the late 1960s and early huh. 1970s and is commonly considered a subgenre, though it's developed 
to extend beyond the scope of reggae, which is what we have here. The style consists predominantly of partly or completely instrumental remixes of existing recordings and is achieved by significantly manipulating and reshaping the recordings, usually through the removal of some or all the vocals, emphasis on the rhythm section, uh, the application of studio effects such as echo and reverb, and the occasional dubbing of vocal or instrumental snippets from the original version or other works. It, is an, it was an early form of popular electronic music. The use of the word dub in a digital recording, or in a recording, originated in the 1920s in the advent of talking pictures as referred huh. to adding a soundtrack to a film. It was an informal abbreviation for the word double. Over the next 40 years or so, the term found its way into audio recording in general, often in the context of making a copy of a recording on another tape or disc. Very cool. I was like, with that explanation, I kind of want to revisit some dub versions, because I always kind of considered them more like throwaways. There, were, yeah. there aren't many that strike me as all that interesting, mm-hmm. but thinking of it as a making a mostly instrumental version of a song, but highlighting certain vocal parts mm-hmm. is very yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. So I thought that definition, that definition certainly rings true for the first 10 seconds of the song that you've described. Oh, for Jill's sure. screams are pitch shifted and her repeating, uh-huh. uh, the Italian well, and it's used as more of an instrument, yeah. like almost like a percussion over and over again, rather than, uh, an actual vocal lyrical track. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So sorry for reading from Wikipedia to you all, but I, <laughs> I found that super interesting. Like I really didn't even know what I didn't know. Oh, well, and now I know. I, know, yeah. I knew. You finally knew enough to ask the question yep. so that you could seek the answer. Good yes. job, Josh. I didn't know what I needed to know. And now I know what I didn't know. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Mia Boca dub version. Uh huh. From a minute and 52 seconds to about two minutes and 14 seconds, you hear that underlying synth line that we said was super 80 sounding uh-huh. from the extended version. It's used here too. Yeah. Uh, the. M- Vocals around that part get uh, real mechanical sounding yep. too. Yeah, definitely effect added to them. And I mentioned new shoes. I can't wait. Like at two minutes and thirty seconds, mm-hmm. uh, the use of the existing vocals being pitch shifted and used as an instrument kind mm-hmm. of uh, reminded me again of all I can see is. New shoes. Yeah. See, and that part where in the extended version, it they just pitch shifted it on the keyboard to yeah. make it go up. Uh-huh. And here they kind of play them in like as a keyboard. And I, I didn't like it, but it was interesting. Oh. Huh. Well, I'll tell you something that I felt the same was that uh, the choice at three minutes and 56 seconds where she says, other, I don't want no other. And it's got this huge echo. And it just, it 
pierced my eyeballs a little bit. Your your eyeballs? It did. It went in through my ears. And, and got your eyeballs and, from the inside? Yes, they attacked attack from the rear. Wow. The rear that of my is, eyeballs. Okay. Um, and then there's a man speaking yes. Italian. Yes. Is that presumably the guy who wants her lips? Yeah, it has to be. I mean, I would think. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, which, again, if you're a DJ and you get this track to remix... Where did those vocals come from? Were they originally recorded for the studio version and they were discarded? Because there's not only him, but there's Jill replying to him, yeah. saying, telling him, you're yeah. crazy. I, I don't understand I can't what understand you're saying. You. Yeah. Yeah. What are yeah. you saying? What do you understand? I don't understand you. Yeah, so they had to come from somewhere. Yep. Somebody had to provide them to the DJ. Right, a track, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what the story is there if they were, you know, discarded, edited out pieces from the album version mm-hmm. or if it was something that was newly recorded for this right. dub version. Yeah. Don't know. Uh, I f- appreciated the piano that came in at the end that finally gave it something kind of warm and yeah. lifelike yes. where it had been very mechanical. Yes. Up until really the very end, and then you get this warm piano, and it was a relief. Like yeah. it, and who played this piano? Five, yeah, who did? I want to know because it's really nice. And from five minutes and seven seconds to five minutes and thirteen seconds during that piano part, it plays the lead line from Possessed. Eighty-two version included with 1999 Super Deluxe Edition. It is almost identical. Wow. Super so, cool. I don't know if that was intentional. It would have, it'd have to be a very odd coincidence. Low likelihood to me of that being a coincidence. But listen to them both back to back. Very cool. And you'll say, Josh, I think you're right. <laughs> and okay. I'll say, thank you. <laughs> Next song. Thank you for giving us our script for how we should talk about it. That's right. I hope you wrote that down. (laughs) All right. And then we have the extended version of seven, seven bleaker street. Right. It was the B side. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, There is a three minute and 20 second version, but it's just an edit of this so we're just going to talk about the longer version exactly that's why i thought we'd talk about the extended version and you'd get two for the price of one (laughs) that's right uh records indicate that jill wrote the lyrics and the melody when she was in new york and then sent it to prince and he composed the rest of the music changing it from what jill had worked on with david z yes and david z a producer yes Brother of Bobby Z. Yes. Drummer for the Revolution. Yes. Mm-hmm. Her lyrics, guys like you with winter faces. Guys like you with winter faces. I am so attracted to. Which I thought was an, such an interesting way to give 
a double meaning. There's a lot of double meaning in this song, which is super fun. Yeah. Um, so winter faces, and she says as much in the next line that they're cold, hard faces. But winter faces also might describe a person's coloring. That's what I thought, too. Uh-huh. A coloring or a demeanor. So I thought, you know, white man. Uh, Not necessarily. Um, you can have you can be black or Hispanic and have a winter face. Mm. Um, it's just the, about the amount of contrast. Okay. In between your like your skin tone and your eye color, and do you have very dark eyes and white surrounding of your pupils? You know, is that? Mm. Your or your irises, not your pupils. Yeah. Your, yeah, you your know what I mean. Your pupils are basically usually black. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yes, uh, and that would kind of maybe dis- describe Prince in a little bit. You can have an olive undertone, dark hair with no gold in it, eyes with a high contrast between the iris oh. and the whites of the eye. Well, see, that now would I've be a winter a color. Lot about winter faces. <laughs> yeah, I went like to snow and. Uh-huh. Um, not necessarily the overall feel of winter, which the way you described it makes a lot more sense than yeah. how I had it pictured in my head. Oh, okay. So like, it's more like, you know, you, everybody has a season yeah. that's their coloring and she might be talking about somebody who has that sort of coloring or is cold. It works on a oh, couple yeah. levels, which yeah. is super fun. That is fun. Yeah. I, um... Never thought to do this, but I looked up. Is there a 77 Bleecker Street in New York, which is where Jill was living? Uh, there is, uh, but it's got a CK in the, oh, the way okay. you spell Bleecker, uh-huh. which I thought was kind of interesting. I thought, is this a real place or some place that she made up? Yeah. Uh, could be either, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of 77 Bleecker Street, I thought that was a really interesting way for her to refer to this person. doesn't want to be as attached to him as she is yeah well so a she, good way of doing that is disassociating a name right exactly person, right? so she calls him by an address yeah and but by calling him an address that she's sad to leave it's kind of like she's calling him home yes which i'm like oh that's so like it's very it's smartly written right and smart yes. and yeah i love it yeah, I thought the lyrics on the song were great. I did find um, that there wasn't a lot of dynamics in the song. Like, there aren't any breakdowns or standout parts to me. And I don't find it, I'm not saying that because I find it to be bad or hard mm-hmm. to listen to. It's a story song. It just doesn't take many unexpected turns musically. Yeah. But the lyrics do a lot of the heavy lifting outside of, like, there's a guitar solo at 2 minutes and 14 seconds that we can assume is Prince. That's very, very buried. Um, But that was the only, like, musically interesting part to me. Oh, I thought there was some, like, soaring guitars, like, at the very end that I really liked quite a lot.
this was a 80s power girl yes. mid-tempo song. Rocker. I mean, it fits it and it just, fits her. Vo- of course, she wrote it, helped write it, so right. it makes sense that it would fit her style a lot. Before I came back, I had never really been drawn to the song very much before. Before listening to it multiple times to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, it always felt to me like it. It could have been a theme for a Johnny Depp TV series, oh, you know? Yeah, like a cop show. But then, like Twenty One Jump Street, uh, exactly. Yes. <laughs> 77 Bleaker Street. Yes. But listening to it and really paying attention to the lyrics like you were just describing made me appreciate it a whole lot more and definitely Mm -hmm. came across as like this either a mid-tempo rocker or a fast rock ballad kind of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that middle ground. Yes. And she does more singing in this. It's It's not quite as screamy or shouty as some of the other songs. And yeah. I really appreciated how much singing she did. She does. And yeah. even the, uh, save a place for me. Uh, can you save me a space somewhere in your ocean? As a refrain, uh, so like background vocals of the, pretty simple chorus which is just seven seven bleaker street she's saying singing somewhere in your sea save a space for me which i thought was neat what i had heard too initially years ago was somewhere somewhere in new york city oh but that's not what she's saying she's no. saying somewhere in your sea which makes sense with the Ocean line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She just wants a little tiny part of a very vast. Right. A very vast open space. Yeah. Give me a corner on an island somewhere. Yeah. I came to appreciate the song a whole lot more. The more I listened to it, the more it grew on me because I was like, oh, I don't really want to listen to this. <laughs> but it was very good. Oh. I've been turned around. Oh, good. Excellent. All right. And then we have a couple of different versions of G-Spot. Yeah. Kicking also, off with the uh, released version. Uh-huh. Yes. The... Jimmy Destry. Yeah. So inc- this was included on the second single from the album, the Jimmy Destry remix. Right. Yeah. He was the keyboardist for Blondie. He was. He wrote a lot of their songs. Yes. So he's another like pretty high-profile person to be... Yeah, I working thought, on score. a f- fairly unknown artist. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the cachet of Prince is a draw, certainly. Um, but what the connection was to being a keyboardist for the bl- for the band Blondie and landing a remix gig for this is interesting. That single was released August eighth, nineteen eighty seven. I read a little bit about Jimmy Destry too. Is it just I was like, where's the connection? How did that happen? And I did not find that, but I did. Find that after Blondie broke up in 1982, he ran a company that bought, renovated, and sold old buildings. He became a realtor. That's interesting. And he also produced and remixed material for NXS. Uh-huh. And then he worked as an alcohol and addictions counselor in New York City. And he Aww. took he, uh, took the decision to go into this line of work after being successfully cured of a 25-year cocaine addiction in wow. 2003. 2003. 
three. So that's a long time. I think just surviving a 25-year cocaine addiction is pretty impressive. So good for him following his passion, even if it wasn't what made him famous. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great. Mm Mm-hmm. So it kicks off, and it's not all that different from the album version. There's like a little added synth, uh-huh. which is a huge surprise. Yeah. More synthesizers. <laughs> from the 1980s. There's a little more echo on the vocals. Yep. I'm listening to the voice beneath my head and it's for the naked was mechanical sounding but worked better mm-hmm. than like in the Mia Boca dub mix. This was had more of an automatic vibe rather than I don't, I don't know, it's just a different mechanical sound. Are you trying to get me to like this song more by comparing it to automatic? Maybe. <laughs> well, you don't need to. I like it. <laughs> you like the song just fine? Yeah. Um <laughs> At a, from a minute and five seconds to a minute and 15 seconds, there's extra horn jabs in the right channel that are not there in the studio version that are fun to listen to. This eerie electric guitar part and a minute and 46 seconds that I feel like is pulled from the studio version and isolated a bit more in this mix so you can hear it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of real sliding. I mm-hmm. liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There was these uh, soaring, sustained organs that uh-huh. kind of gave it some tension, too, which yeah. was interesting. Yep. That bass part that I mentioned, I don't know, 417 times yep, in the previous episode. episode is part of this at 2 minutes and 27 seconds. You can hear this bass line that was used in G-Spot. It was used in For Love. And as we discussed in the last episode, it was even used on the One Night Alone tour with Rhonda Smith playing bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sax bit goes on a little too long for it me. It does. I have the same note. <laughs> Get out of my head. <laughs> Yeah, from like two minutes and 30 seconds through basically the end of the song. Mm-hmm. Which is super abrupt. Yeah, it ends the abruptly. The end is just like, done, we're going to stop playing. Yeah. Yeah. But there, And there may be more saxophone during that two-minute stretch than maybe it was stuff that was recorded for the studio version that got edited mm-hmm. out again and they just Decided made use them. of it. Yeah. yeah, had it available. So there you go. I do like it. I don't not like it, and I think if you, again, were someone who seeked out the single in 1987 because you wanted Jill Jones' G-Spot and the remixes of it, um, which apparently you would have been in the minority of society (laughs) (laughs) because this did not get a lot of wide circulation. Or maybe just not in the United States. That's also true. If you were in Europe, then maybe so. But I think, again, you wouldn't have been disappointed. If you knew the album version and got this and got a couple remixes, then Mm -hmm. you were satisfied. Yes. And then we have another version called the extended version. 
Again, I say misnomer. Yes. It's more like, I mean, it's an unreleased remix. Yes. That's what we're talking Just about. The clock's in at 6 minutes and 16 seconds. Mm-hmm. It sounded kind of like an alternate mix of the Jimmy Dest remix, remix to me. Like it was yes. another You're right. version of that, and they chose the other one. Right. Like, like there were two of these done, and they chose to release one, and this right. one got cast aside. Yeah, this one remains without an official release. It does. A minute and 24 seconds, there's this 80s echo on body when she says, in is for the naked body, body, uh-huh. body, body. Yeah. It's got this extra echo that I thought was very, very much a candidate for our time capsule award. In is for the naked body, I liked the strings that like, Two minutes and 18 seconds. Yeah. They give it this real, like, yearning feeling. Uh-huh. Like, it really goes with the final letter that they're Why? spelling out. <laughs> yes. Final E. Uh-huh. Y. Can you be? It gave it that yearning feeling, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. I swear this will be the last time I mention this bass part. I swear. Three minutes and nine seconds. Uh, there's a drum percussion breakdown with Jill's voice singing G-Spot with lights, like a lot of echo reverb added to it, and that bass part is behind her again. And um, right around the five minute and 18 second mark, you can hear the same electric guitar part from the Jimmy Destry remix that's at about a minute and 40 Mm -hmm. um, is part of this remix. And I mean, I don't think it's, it's a long song. It's six minutes and 16 seconds and it fades out, which is kind of meh for me. But I thought... The remix is good. If you like the studio version, I don't know why you wouldn't enjoy these two remixes. Yeah, it's too. they're fine, competently done. Yeah, but not uh, shockingly different than no. the album version. Mm-mm. No, I mean if you like the album version, probably will also enjoy these a yep. little more of that with a little bit of difference. Yeah, not it's not as markedly of a difference as mm-hmm. like we talked about for love in the last episode, right. which was almost like a reworking of the entire song. That's not really what these are. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, next we're going to talk about baby cries. Ah, yeah, but <laughs> wait, could you repeat that? <laughs> baby cries. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but before we do that, we're going to have a quick break. Are you ever afraid to talk about something? Do you avoid certain topics, maybe with certain people? Like your racist Uncle Frank. Sorry, Frank. It's true. Do you want to learn how to have better conversations, increase compassion, and build bridges, not walls? We Don't Talk About That with Lucas Land is the podcast where we do talk about that with me, Lucas Land. Get it wherever fine podcasts can be found. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us through that quick break. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Baby cries. Ah, yeah. 
So this was the B-side to G-Spot. Uh-huh. Officially released, but was a previously unreleased track that Jill Jones wrote with Angie Stone, who Prince would go on to work with later in the year 2000, resulting in the studio track You Make My Sunshine. Cool. Even though Angie Stone's Wikipedia page has no mention of working with Prince or Jill Jones. Really? Yeah. But this track in particular had no input by Prince. Yeah. And there's, it must have, I mean, obviously it didn't, there's no Prince Vault page. Yeah. Uh, There's also no lyrics for this online. You are right. I went looking too. I looked longer than I should have. Oh, I looked the exact amount of time I should have. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, surely it's got to be somewhere. Yeah. It's a very, I don't know, just kind of this, it was there. It didn't make the album, and I guess it served as it was a, you know, great B-side track. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It does have a very firmly recorded in the 1980s sound to it, drums primarily. But I thought that Jill's vocals are, as usual, on par with every track that did get released. It Mm -hmm. was very well sung. Yeah, it was very smooth. Very smooth. Yeah. And I love, even though we said the lyrics are nowhere on any lyric site that we could find, I do love the way that the chorus proclaims her independence. Yeah. The whole, uh, I'm not in desperate need so I can do what I want. I'm Mm -hmm. not in desperate need for your love. That's right. That's a power statement right yeah, there. Yeah, it really which is. Which is very cool. It would make sense written by two women that, you know. Yeah. Well, she spends the whole first verse talking about how she wants the excitement of new romance with the stability of being a girlfriend. But, you know, and then she gets to the chorus and she's like, if you're not going to do what I want, I'm not desperate for you. Right. My <laughs> life will go on. <laughs> Step aside, Celine Dion. Mm -hmm. Your heart might go on, but Jill's life is going to go on. (laughs) And this is a lot of, uh, I don't know, some chest bumping throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like at two minutes and 54 seconds, she says, do you think you're dealing with some little girl? Well, you're not. Do you think you're dealing with some little girl? Well, you're not. Mm Yeah. She's a very independent You're a strong, confident woman, Chandler (laughs) Bing. You do not need to smoke. You don't need to smoke. Boyfriends (laughs) don't control you, Chandler Bing. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered if this was kind of a prelude to her. The story of why her second album didn't materialize in the late 80s was because Jill wanted to sing more mature songs than the ones that Prince was offering her or helping her write. Right. And I wonder if this was, you know, since she was independent of him here, yeah. if this was more the type of song we might have seen had she been, you know, given the leeway to record as she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she tells him, uh, it's all or nothing. I say goodbye. And I'm wondering if she was frustrated with Prince a uh, little bit. Maybe. 
because it seems like she was always in the wings waiting for Prince to notice her again, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that was as a love interest or as a artist or, you know, she, and she kind of seemed bordering on fed up here. Yeah. With, you could certainly read it that way or understand it that way. Right. I went back and read her liner notes for the piano and a microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, release that the estate made and uh, Lisa has liner notes in there and Jill does also and how she you know talked about laying under the piano just listening to him uh-huh. play barefoot that it would be very common to be woken up by the sound of him playing at four or five in the morning uh-huh. and but that was coming you know from a from a different place than probably this song was yeah did you like the 1980s lingo there at the end now ain't that late Pretty words? No, ain't that late. <laughs> she says it like three or four times. Pretty words? No, ain't that late. And uh-huh. uh, a trip to Europe? No, ain't that late. Like, <laughs> too little, too late is yeah. how I interpreted that. Yeah. When she goes through the things like, diamonds are for very superficial women. And wigs are for Harry Krishna. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was like, Catch oh, diamonds aren't her best friend. Right, because that's what I expected her to say. And it would almost rhyme with whatever she said before that. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it's not material things that she's looking for. Diamonds are for very superficial women. And wigs are for Harry Krishna. And then there was, uh, I'm not in desperate need vocals overlaid with now ain't that late shouts towards the end that fun. I thought were very fun. So she made uh, good use of now ain't that late, which mm-hmm. is uh, such an eighties thing that it does not even show up in an urban dictionary search. <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> I also liked the way she worded, let your mind between your legs uh-huh. tell all its secrets to your head. Yes. Like, what a fun way of telling him, yeah. you're thinking with your crotch. Yep. Why don't you bring some of that up into your brain and see if it really makes sense? <laughs> <laughs> If the little head is telling the big one to do things stupid, then maybe rethink it. You've put me in a weird position in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) There was more new shoes-like vocal sampling in this, too, at like 4 minutes and 59 seconds. At the end of the song, especially six minutes and 29 seconds, you can really hear them and see that they're, you know, vocal samples being played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought there was some rhythm guitar at the end. Like, if you had told me Prince added a little bit to this track, I might have believed it. Like right. Five minutes and 32 seconds to, yes. for about eight seconds. Um, yeah, kind of plinky, yeah. plucky guitars. I wish they'd come in sooner. Yes. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with the song, and it grew again. Like every time I listened to it, I was like, oh, I kind of like this more than I remembered I did. Like I didn't 
think back fondly on Joel Jones' B-sides right. a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad that we took the time to revisit them yeah, and got too. another 10 or 12 spins on the playlist. Yeah. All right. And then we have a unreleased song called Rough. This originated during the recording sessions for Dirty Mind in May and June of 1980. It was considered for the family album, but not recorded. Jill recorded vocals in January of 1986, but the song got shelved. And we don't have that version of it. It seems to be uncirculating, Jill's vocal version. Yeah, nobody Mm -hmm. has, has it around. Yep. Um, it was offered to the band called Mother's Finest. Yep. Which I thought was kind of funny because you might be the finest of your mama's children. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean you can play around. <laughs> That's right. And doesn't mean that they won't turn it down because they, <laughs> they did. did. Yes, they declined. Yeah. Yes. I thought despite being... So, of course, like you said, we've got the Prince version of Rough from Dirty Mind Recording Sessions. But despite being recorded in mid-1980, I thought it sounded way more like Controversy, especially a title track Controversy, than a song from Dirty Mind, especially with Mm -hmm. him singing in his lower register, where Dirty Mind is primarily a falsetto affair from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Um, This song has many similar elements to the title track of controversy and it's got that new wave rockabilly sound that we've talked about a lot from Mm -hmm. 1982 outtakes right funkabilly Funkabilly. i think was what we had called it so he starts off calling her uh a cadillac she gotta feel like a cadillac what kind of car would prince call her today Oh, because with, Cadillac it's is plenty of style. Yeah, uh, lots of style. Would he? Would it be an Audi or a Mercedes, or would he like bring it down a notch of costs and maybe a Lexus, an Acura, an Acura, more legend than, than a, a new, new Acura. Acura. Oh. I don't know. He could have. He could stick with Cadillac. Cadillac stills. They made a resurgence. They they have, but they're still they're kind of. They're trying to get away from it, but they're still kind of old people cars. Yeah, but if you look at some of the, I don't know, the SUV, very popular. So still could work, maybe. But you're yeah. right. Yeah, she compares her to he compares her to a car, mm-hmm. which of course he would do later in Little Red Corvette. Right. So in the first verse, yeah, you know he's talking about her, and then in the chorus he's talking about too rough. Right. And then you see why in verse two. Oh, yes. Yeah, because she keeps her money in her garter next to her 38. Yep. Oh, she's rough. I'm like, why is he calling? She didn't seem too rough in the first uh, verse. Oh. Hang around. He's getting there. Yeah, he, he's going he's gonna to get there. Yeah. If you get a chance to take her out, you better not be late. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's going to teach you a lesson. Uh-huh. Yeah, which I was like, eh, well, self-defense, yep. maybe understandable. Yep. Um, yeah, that she's going to use it on you if you're late. Yep. Maybe why we need gun control. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, she's a tough lady, this girl that Prince is singing mm-hmm. about, this woman that Prince is singing about. She'll take your money, your self-respect, and personality. She'll leave you high. She'll leave you dry. All the boys agree. 
the girl is too rough. Mm-hmm. Had some um, spring-sounding synthesizers mm-hmm. that were very 80s and very fun. Yeah, I think that what you're talking about, you can hear them during a breakdown at 4 minutes and 25 seconds to about 4 minutes and 40 seconds, and it sounds a lot like the beginning of Controversy to me, the song, Mm -hmm. those springy kind of synthesizers. Probably an idea that got raised from the grave of the vault. Mm Mm-hmm. I like the call-outs towards the end where he's asking, if you're rough, raise your hand. Uh If you don't like to be pushed around, raise your hand. So this is a woman that wasn't going to take abuse or neglect. Uh If your man's down the street and you you know your sugar's sweeter, raise your hand. (laughs) So if he's uh, not being faithful to you. Yeah. I like that the dude asks, what do you want? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. She's got yeah. a laundry list. The He's car got a list. and the house. Yeah. You know, she's listing these things that you think, okay, well, yeah, she's like after his. Yeah. yeah. And then she says, the kids. Yep. So she's rough, but she doesn't just want his stuff. She wants to be provided for, but she also wants a life yeah, with this and a person. Family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is how the list ends. Yeah. That's like ending a list with etc. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. kind of bothers me. Yeah. If you're going to be specific about what you want, then list it all out. Don't just list a bunch of stuff and then say everything. Well, why'd you put me through reading your list? Examples so that you understand what everything includes. You put me in a very difficult position in this <laughs> podcast. I thought the the second time says, "What do you want?" Um, and the way Prince replies, it sounded to me how he might have instructed Jill or Sheila E uh-huh. to sing that part. Yeah, which I thought was super fun. Yeah. That I could see that being for. Either one of those women. They right. have sort of similar vocal styles in yeah. some ways. What do you want, baby? I thought it was fun. It's fun. It's fairly repetitive musically. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, repeating too rough, too rough does, yeah. does go on for a while. It does. It felt... and. The versions you can find online to listen to, or yeah. uh, the same as what we had listened to for this, right. and it's it's pretty uh, rough sounding. Mm. Yes, I, um, see. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's very raw. Yeah, uh, so it's almost unfinished. like a sketch. Yep, it's almost like you know, like you stopped off at uh, Best Buy and picked up a cassette tape. Who was that? Uh, somebody who did that with her husband. Oh, uh, she's listening to Little Red Corvette and sung in the uh, holes. Uh, uh, Stevie Nicks. Yes, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
it kind of has that kind of like sound and feel. Yeah. Like yeah, it was recorded recording. cheap yeah. and yeah. quick just to get the idea because down. he wanted to get it down and then it never went anywhere. Despite lots of chances, it never, <laughs> never went anywhere. Right. And then we have my baby knows how to love me recorded in summer of 1982 at Prince's home studio. Initially yep. Jill's vocals were added in the summer of 1985, but this was another shelved song. It was considered for Jill's sophomore release that was unrealized. Yeah. It was also considered for the first album uh, mm-hmm. that never happened. Cause a lot of work was done in 85, 86, either, revamping older songs or recording new ones and this was one of them but it does make sense that it sounds a lot like many of the unreleased tracks included on 1999 super deluxe edition the if you take away the claire fisher orchestration and horns and try to imagine what this sounded like if it was recorded in summer of 1982 which part of it was Mm -hmm. it could have been included on 1999 Super Deluxe Edition, if there was a version with Prince vocals on it. Agreed. I think. Yeah. Agreed. Because it has got that live drum feel. Mm-hmm. Um, in, fact, in fact, Prince counts us in at the beginning. One, two, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which That's has got fun. Yeah, yeah. a really nice live sound to it. And the song Money Don't Grow on Trees came up in uh, our morning playlist today and eating our breakfast yeah we both said you know like the rhythm guitars at about eight seconds in money don't not in money don't grow on trees sorry my baby knows how to love me sounds a lot like the rhythm guitars in money don't grow on trees Agreed. They are connected at the hip. I immediately kind of liked the slight echo on Jill's vocals and Prince's guitar noodling under her singing. I it had it some was pretty cool production really fun. values. Yeah. yeah. And it's a little sing-songy. A little. But it's not unpleasant. Yeah. And it's got a simple chorus. I yeah. mean, I don't know how much simpler it gets than my baby knows how to love me. Right. My baby. No. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Repeat. Yes. So I made a list of oh. how he knows. Oh, did the you romantic. Make a list? I did the romantic things. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You mentioned the list first. You get to read your list, and okay. I'll fill in if there's anything you missed. I've got five points to knowing how to love Jill. I have six. All right. Well, I'll give you my five quickly, and then you can go through your six. Number one, he calls every hour just to make sure she's okay. Mm-hmm. Number two, he sends flowers. It doesn't have to be a holiday. Yeah, just because. Number three, uses movie theaters to fool around. <laughs> uh-huh. Number four, going out to dinner. He cooks whatever she wants. Uh Uh-huh. Number five, takes her dancing and also doesn't care if she goes alone and he's away. That's right. So he's not jealous. That's right. The only other thing that I added was that all of these great things make it so that she will follow him anywhere. Yes. A little bit of freedom makes her love him more. Yeah. He's a genius. He's a genius. Yeah. 
At a minute, 48 seconds, I have Jill's signature scream. You're uh-huh. nodding like you heard the same thing. Yes. It's right here Screams in my notes, Josh. Take a look. <laughs> <laughs> right after that, it's followed by a little musical jam with her ad-libbing. Like at one minute and 50, second, we, we, 50 seconds, we talked about this, trying to figure out what she says. Hug on the stage is uh, kind of uh-huh. where oh. I landed i also thought she might be saying oh come on stay that's kind of what it said oh come on stay Hmm. stay. i have no idea i'm going with hug on the stage (laughs) okay that's my final answer yeah i don't know exactly what she says there some kind of little accent Mm mm-hmm I also love two minutes and 26 seconds when she says, uh, you know, if he asks her to stay, ain't nothing on earth that could make me say no. And she's got that screamy singing voice of hers mm-hmm. that is really, uh, I don't know, just her signature fun yeah. vocal singing. And then lots and lots of chorus vamping for the final minute of the song mm-hmm. um, yeah at one point the hi-hats open up yeah and they're just jamming and you know i'm not a fan of fade out so i love the abrupt ending too i appreciate yeah. that it Which, ends right there's nobody standing there turning the amps down yes on the live performance. I feel cheated when that happens. <laughs> Does this song even sound a little, just a little like Baby Nose from Raven to the uh, Joy Fantastic? A little bit. It's got some of that feel to it, to mm-hmm. me. I wrote down, I think it does. <laughs> <laughs> that was my answer. <laughs> okay. So I don't know why, if this song was ready for uh, possible inclusion on the album we covered. I'm not quite sure why it wouldn't have been. I thought that it would have been a nice ninth track. Yeah, maybe it wasn't a long album. It was so not a long it, album. You know, maybe they felt like it didn't fit, but there were so many various styles on the album already. Why not include it? I mean, you had like there. borderline country ballads and upbeat funk rock jams and... If it had been included, I don't think it, we would be sitting here saying, this one's a little out of place. Yeah, no, we wouldn't have. It we could have been just a, it could have been a talked about that. album. Yeah. yeah. So not only was it not on Jill Jones's first album, but they reworked it again to try to get it included on a second album. And that's our very last song mm-hmm. for this episode of the podcast. Summer of 1989, Prince pulled the track uh, out for use on a proposed second album by Jill, according to Prince Vault, and brought Candy Dulfer in to add saxophone overdubs in uh, July or August 1989, also mm-hmm. at Paisley Park. Um, so this song had a second shot at getting on an album yeah. for Jill. Yeah. And still didn't. Still didn't happen. It's a fun song, and I felt like it's not immature, I would say. No. Which was one of the reasons that the second album got abandoned. The very opening of the song, I felt like it was like a 1950s TV mystery. Oh, I thought it sounded like an old movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Like this, like something you'd hear in the Tower of Terror Uh at Disney World. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to go there. I wouldn't recommend it at the moment. 
Yes. I kind of even liked the ooh, I like it chants that are uh-huh. new at the beginning. And yeah. even just 10 seconds into the song, you get a Jill Yelp. Yeah. That's fun. And her the vocals were super, super clean. Yeah, resung completely. Yeah. Not quite as sing-songy as yes. the older version. Right. I thought the fun is amped up a bit, too. Mm-hmm. It's more of a celebratory kind of song. Right. Um, and it's got, man, a ton more synths and vocal sampling as instruments. Which is something Prince did a lot. If you go back and listen to the song 200 Balloons, the B-side to Bat Dance, mm-hmm. there's a lot of this kind of stuff going on in that song, which was recorded around the same time. In fact, there's maybe a print sample of My from the chorus My Baby in a number of different places mm. here. The first appearance is uh, right after verse 2 at a minute and 16 seconds uh, where, when Jill says, when he takes me out to dinner, and at 118 to like 119, there's a sample of My, My. When he takes me out to dinner, we never go that you can hear played out further longer, and I think it's Prince singing background in a sample. Cool. That's my proposition. Yeah. At right before that, there's like just a moment in the left channel of orchestral sounds from Claire Fisher's contributions. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like just for a second in the left channel, and I thought that was such a nice callback to the first version if they were planning on using this and graffiti bridge or for yep. Jill's second album yeah. that that was such a nice way to call back the original version which and Very then cool. they pull some more orchestral stuff in it but they have just that quick second which was I thought it was really fun yeah it yeah. still sounds very under the cherry moon to me mm-hmm. when I hear those. Yeah. More of those My My samples after Jill sings, We've Got a Cool Romance. Mm-hmm. And you can hear what I believe are samples of Prince's voice singing there, too. She says, uh, Love Struck Fool. Uh huh. And I thought it was very reminiscent of Baby, You're a Trip, where they call her a starstruck little fool. Yep. I was like, oh, they kind of go together. They would have, like, really gone together on... On an album. That yeah. would have been great. Dang. Uh, I like it around three minutes and 15 seconds when she starts calling out, I love it when we're one time, and the band does like a one hit. It's a very Prince thing. Mm-hmm. I love it when we're two times. Hit, yes. Hit. I love it when we're one time. I love it when we're two times. It's very fun. It was super fun. Yeah. 
really cool keyboards and guitars and vocal samples from like three minutes and 38 seconds to three minutes and 45 seconds that uh, really sound like another version of 200 Balloons to me. Okay. From the B-side of Bad Dance. Okay. I thought that cacophony of instruments at the very end was Mm -hmm. a pretty fun way to... Wrap it all up. Yeah, wrap it all up. Yeah, it comes to this climax. The part that I'm talking about that's Prince's voice, which I believe is Prince's voice, singing My Baby, Uh is uh, from 4 minutes and 17 seconds to 4 minutes and 25 seconds. There's a saxophone part, and it's all underlaid with those vocal samplings that Mm -hmm. I think are Prince's background vocals. Well, that's it. That's all we're going to talk about today. So that means it's time for selections. Selection time. So we choose three things every episode. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. The choice is up to the host. We choose the C, the S-E-A, the low point. Not that it's bad. It could be bad, but it's not necessarily bad. Just the thing that we like the least. Right. And then we choose a mountain, our favorite part. So these are my rules. I go first. My time capsule is 77 Bleecker Street with the 80s Power Girl mid-tempo ballad. I would have loved the song on the radio. Yeah. like... 1987. I think it could have done well too. It's uh-huh. not my favorite song out of this bunch, but mm. I do agree that it sounds like it would have fit in beautifully. Yep. In the radio mix of the late 80s. late 80s. It was similar enough to what was happening and what was popular at the time, but also different enough to make it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What's she yours? could have been a female rock star easily. Yep. My time capsule is uh, a minute and 52 seconds into the Mia Boca dub mix. Those underlying synth sounds that are like... Very specific. Yes. I'm, I'm targeting... Specifically, I've got a very laser-focused time capsule. <laughs> I man, it just sounded like wow. That is uh, that that just screamed time capsule to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. All right, the C, the low point, the thing that we like the least, was the dub version of Mia Boca. It oh, was yeah? just so mechanical, yeah, and just didn't work in the same way that Automatic did. Okay. For me, like, it just, I didn't like it. Oh, no. I did like it. I didn't love it, but I appreciated it more, especially after I read the definition of what a dub mix was, what the point was to make kind of a semi-instrumental version of it for, you know, clubs Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So I could see the value of it, I guess. Um, You might say that this is cheating for me for the C, (laughs) but 
I don't know that this is a job I can get fired from, so I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The lack of a second album from Jill Jones. There's plenty of material here, and we've got another episode coming up with more. So the fact that the Jill and Prince had disagreements of it, yet still continued to work together into the 90s for Graffiti Bridge, which Jill was in, right? just felt like a shame to me. Like, why not come to some kind of agreement and get another album? The songs are just laying around. There's plenty to put together for another album. So Agreed. I don't know. Shame on both of them for yep. not reaching some kind of con- compromise. All right. And then The Mountain. Yeah, let's hear it. Well, I know we have different ones because my mountain is the same as my time capsule, 77 Bleecker Street. Oh, really? Yeah. Just the smart lyrics and her power ballad vocals mm-hmm. and how... She was screamy, but not overly so. It really highlighted all the best parts of her vocal range, and yep. I loved it. All right, what's your mountain? Cool. Uh, well, you're right then. My mountain is different, although I like your mountain. Oh, good. It's not my mountain. Okay, what's yours? Mine is My Baby Knows How to Love Me, and I really struggled with, is it the 1982-85 version, or is it the 1989 version? And I don't know, this sounds like it could turn into a guilty pleasure song. I'm going to have to drag it into my guilty pleasure playlist <laughs> because I love it and I can't believe it didn't make... Well, which one are you picking? I'm, I'm picking the 1989 version. Oh, okay. With all of the cool vocal samples and it's a little more fun and less sing-songy mm-hmm. and sounded cool in 1989. Like that was the thing. That was where Prince was with all of his, um, especially b-sides and kind of toying around with stuff and trying out new things and uh, i thought this was a great example of it and i had not heard that 1989 version before if i had heard it before it was a very very long time ago so it sounded all new and fresh to me and i think i made the decision this morning that that was oh, okay. it was going to be 1989 over 1985 by a slight margin. Awesome. But I liked them both. If Good. the 1989 version wasn't there, I would have picked the 1985 version as my Happily. mount because I felt like it could yep. fit on the album. I agree. And the updated version could have filled, could have fit on album two. Right. If it had just been given a chance. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. All right, what are we talking about next time? We know it's more Jill Jones. It is more Jill. We're going to wrap up our coverage of Jill with another slew of unreleased songs that were recorded uh, during this time period, including Our Destiny, which actually saw a release on Purple Rain Deluxe. Um, Not with Jill's lyrics, however. Or Uh, vocals. Yeah, not with Jill's vocals is what I meant to say. Did I say lyrics? Yeah. What a dummy. (laughs) Uh, The song Wednesday that was originally in Purple Rain and just got cut. We've got Killing It at the Soda Shop, Living Doll, If I Could Get Your Attention, which a lot of different artists recorded, including Prince, his own version. Uh, The song For Lust, which was supposed to be a follow-up to For Love. Mm -hmm. And then also songs called Boom Boom and Flesh and Blood. Very cool. And And we're going to watch the Mia Boca video. Yes. And I think a bonus video also from from Jill that was a promo thing that we'll talk about next time. Okay. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio and we really, really appreciate it when you do listen. We've gotten lots of feedback from people and we really appreciate that too. It's always nice to hear from you. Uh, Do rate and review if you're able to. It really does help us get found. Also, 
I'm going to put this at the very end to see who really listens. I have about. I'm still listening. 20 stickers. Mountains in the sea stickers. I have mountains in the sea stickers. So do a direct message on Twitter or Facebook or send me an email. Tmatspodcast at gmail.com. And I'll put one in the mail to you. Don't put your address publicly, please just send it to me. The only thing we're going to use it for is to put a sticker in an envelope and mail it to you. But if these are like high that, quality die cut stickers that are really like, nice what are they, like three and a half by three and a half inches, Some, something, something like, like that. that. So they're cool very, for the back of a laptop. Cause uh-huh. uh, Christy did it to hers. Yeah. At cool for the back of your car and they oh, yeah. hang on. Oh yeah. They're they not work like, on glass. Yeah. Very well. They work and they're on, pretty weatherproof. Yeah. So yeah, I've had mine on my car for a while and it's, still in great condition so of course i haven't driven my car much lately (laughs) (laughs) funny when it sits in a garage how it doesn't come off (laughs) but it was on long before that when i did drive much more but if you can't give us five stars when you rate and review please send us an email at tmatspodcast at gmail.com and let us know why we would rather try and fix things than have you give us a poor review Mm, let us get your order right. That was a large <laughs> shake with no whip and no chair. <laughs> That's right. Until next time, happy purple listening. Thanks. <clears throat> Gross. <laughs> should really use some of this stuff. It's good. Sometimes I put it at the end. <laughs> oh, I never get that far usually. <laughs> near the end there's a little taste of how we warm up <laughs> professor professionals are like ooh la la, ooh, la, la. <laughs> yeah we're <laughs> like <laughs> uh, you got any hawkers <laughs>